Hello and welcome to another episode of Daf Shui, Weekly Daf. You give me 40 minutes or so and I'll give you a Daf or so. This week is the day before Shabbat Tammuz, the 17th of Tammuz, uh, the lead-up fast to one of the saddest days in the ritual calendar to Shabbat, the 9th of Av, which is in three weeks, and the time between now and then is called the three weeks, because it's three weeks, it's three weeks of thinking and reflecting on the brokenness of the world the week before, from well, nine days before, from the beginning of the month of Av until Tisha B'Av, um, is a more is a deeper kind of mourning and grieving for the brokenness of the world. Tisha B'Av, the night of Av, is the culmination of that process. There is much to reflect upon nowadays. There is much to resolve. And moving forward to try to bring the world out of its brokenness to rethink what it means to possibly be a city, a community, a polity, which actually privileges safety and security over violence and racism. And so those are some of the things that I will be thinking about and holding with me. Tomorrow is a fast on the 17th of Tammuz. Today we're going to continue in Bhavabhatra 31A, starting on the top line in the edition that was typeset and published by the brothers and the widow Rome in uh, Vilna Low these many years ago. There will be link to it in the notes to the podcast as usual. So we're now moving from one type of Rava casebook, which was how Gavra Damale Lechavre my bite Bahai Ara, guy who comes to his fellow and says what are you doing in my field? Which seems to be a case that is, seems to be a type of case that is rehearsing, resurrecting, or mirroring an actual life event to a, a number of cases which are court cases. This one says, this land is my ancestors, and this one says, this land is my ancestors. Meaning... Um, that they're standing before a judge and they're both arguing over the case. This first case, um, the, the, we have two cases of this exact same introduction of Hai Aiti Sadi Da This one brought witnesses that the field was their ancestors, and this one brought witnesses that he had eaten for three years, he enjoyed the field for three years. So the assumption is that the guy who who brought witnesses that he was on the field for three years is the machzik, is the guy who's there now. So it's not simply a case of of uh, unclaimed property or property that nobody is on uh, and the court has to decide to whom to give the, the property, which will be the next case. Here the assumption is that it's similar in vain to my boy Bahayara, what are you doing on my land? But it's a case in front of a judge that they're, they're presenting the two sides to the case. So one guy brings witnesses that the land belonged to his ancestors. The other guy brings witnesses that he ate, he, he enjoyed it for three, he was on it for three years. In other words, he had a chazaka, a presumption of ownership. I'm a rabba. I know the printed edition says rabba, but all the manuscripts say rabba. And that makes sense because he's in debate with Abaye. And it's all these cases here are rabba and somebody cases. So Rava says, well, we should believe him because 
what, why would he lie? If he wanted to lie, he would have lied better. He would have had a, a stronger lie in saying, I, I bought it from you and I ate it and I was on it for, for years of Chazakah, meaning that that and that I bought it from you would have been the bigger lie than the lie of it's mine, it's, it's my father's, right? So, so Abaya says this claim of Mali Lishaker, which is kind of a psychological claim. It's a claim of why would I, what do I have to benefit from lying at a time where there are witnesses? We don't accept that. As we low Amrina means there's no advantage to be gained from his lying. So, therefore, we assume that he's telling the truth. And this case of Abaye, this uh, claim of Abaye seems to win, seems to take the day. This is, for some of the Rishonim, this is anchored in Mishnah in Ketubot, in, in second parak, second Mishnah. Modeh Rabbi Yeshua ba'omer l'chavero, sadeh zu shel avicha hayta l'kachtia heimenu, shehu ne'eman, shepesha asar hu shepesha shehitir. And Rabbi Yeshua it exceeds or admits to his and say once one says to his fellow, "This field belonged to your fathers." Yes, this field was your fathers, and but I took it from him, um, so he is believed. Why? Because we saw this when we saw this version of the claim earlier. The same mouth that forbade it also was the mouth that permitted it. Meaning that the same guy who said, "Yes, it was your fathers," was the one who said. And I, and I bought it from him. So you can't believe him just by saying, yes, it was your father's. But if there were witnesses who say that it was the other guy's father's, then, and then he says, and I took it from him, he's not believed because he doesn't have the leverage of um, that the, the mouth that forbade is the mouth that permitted. And so too here, he doesn't have the leverage of Mali Lishaker. Why would I lie? Because there are witnesses, and the witnesses are already saying that it, it belonged to the other guy's ancestors. And so therefore he doesn't he can't he couldn't have made a, a stronger argument, it seems. The Yad Rama makes the point that this only works in a case where the Machzik does not have, the one who's sitting on the land, does not have proof that his ancestors lived in the land even one day, right? So not a, because for if he had proof that his ancestors lived there, then that would trump the Ma'arer. That would trump the Marakama, the guy who's challenging his land, the guy who says, I have witnesses that this was my ancestors. When he doesn't have that kind of proof, then his chazaka is a chazaka she'en matana, chazaka, a claim for an assumption of ownership, which doesn't have with it a claim. And there's a claim without a claim, uh, as we see in the in the third Mishnah of the of the parak, that that kind of a claim is dismissed. If the Machsik had proof that his ancestors lived there even one day, meaning that there was a day in which his ancestors lived there, meaning he could have bought the land then from the other guy, then we, that is the Beitin, would make the claim for him since the coming Mishnah in the chapter says, Babin Shumirusha, Tana, somebody who makes a claim that this was, that I inherited this, or he, he's on the land because he's an heir, so he doesn't need any further claim than that, and we make the claim for him that his father probably, that his ancestor probably bought it from someplace or got it legitimately, and the reason that we don't make the claim for him, even though he says Shalavotai, which would seem to fall under the clause of inheritance, 
is because that only that that only holds when he that is the machzik, the guy sitting on the land, has witnesses that the ancestor lived on the land for even one day, enabling the possibility of the transfer of land. Okay, the Mi'iri, a little later in Provence, frames this first case of Zilmesh Lavotzai. We're going to have another one. Um, as similar to my boy Baha'i'ara, in other words, that someone is machzik and someone is ma'ara, one is, someone is sitting on land and the other person is, cha- is challenging, as we said. This distinguishes this case from the second case, which we'll see in a minute. He makes the important point that if the machzik would have claimed that, yes, that was true, that it was your father's, but I bought it from you, since he had three years on the property, we would have believed him and he would have gotten the property, right? So that that's that's a little bit different than what the Yad Ramah says. He says that if he would have made the claim that I agree with you, it was your father's, but I bought it from you, then we would have believed him. Okay, so what is the claim that he makes? He makes the claim of Mali Lashaker, and then Abaya says that since there are witnesses, then Mali Lashaker doesn't work because it loses its power. Okay. So now Abaya wins. Abaya seems to Abaya seems to be holding the day. Hadar Amarlai. Now we have two ways of reading this Hadar, um, and we'll get back to it. This was a a debate between myself and the Chavruta this week. Hadar Amarlai. First, we'll read it the way that she read it, which also happens to be the way that the Rashbam reads it, and a bunch of Rishonim. Hadar Amarlai. Then the guy came back and said, the guy who was sitting on the land in the Avhatechi. Yes, it is your ancestors, and I bought it from him. So if that's the case, so why did I say it's mine? I said it's mine because this that I said is mine meant that I relied on it as if it was my ancestors. I was so sure that it was my land that I relied that that it was as if it's my ancestors' land. So this is, according to this line, so can, is this is this legitimate? I mean, he made one claim, and now he's making a different claim. He's changing his claim. Can Is he allowed to change his claim in this way and say, you know what, when I said it was my ancestors, um, what I meant was I bought it from you. So Ula says he's not allowed to make one claim, and then go back and make another claim. Whereas the Nahardai says that he's allowed to go back and make the other claim. Now, the question is, what is the issue around Toyin v'choser v'toyin? Are we worried that he will lie? But that's always the worry. Are we worried that someone will give him a better claim? Why is that bad if it is true and he just doesn't know the better claim? Are we worried that it's not fair since the proceedings closed? Why do we care? That's kind of... that the closure of the proceedings doesn't signify anything. It's going to kind of an administrative thing. So we'll see, this actually comes back, this type of question comes back again in in the when we turn the page uh, in terms of when you have two pairs of witnesses who contradict each other, whether or not you can then take them separately and each one be interrogated or just assume that they're all lying. And the question there is whether we're talking about, and what we're talking about here is whether we're talking about some kind of truth in an epistemological sense? Are we trying to get at a truth? Or are we talking about truth in a, uh, a regulatory sense? That is, what is said in court might prove true, but once you've made your statement and the rules said that that was it, 
then it's over. You can't go back and remake a statement. So Ula says that you're allowed to remake. You're allowed to make one claim and then make another claim. And Nardai, those from Nahardea, say uh, you're not allowed to make a second claim. Umode Ula, and Ula exceeds, or Ula admits, when he says it was my ancestors and not your ancestors, your ancestors, then he's not allowed to go back and make a second claim because the second claim of what I meant was doesn't make sense here because his first claim was so clear and specific that it was uh, that it was uh, uh, not your ancestors and he didn't mean something else by it. So he can't he can't come back and claim again. And also, if he's in the court, he comes to the court, and he didn't make a claim. And then he went out, and he made a claim. He's not allowed to go back in and make a claim in court, right? In other words, so in the, say he's not allowed to go back to the court and make the second claim. Why? Because the first time he was in court, he didn't have anything to say. He went out of court. Probably some of his friends on the outside, his advisors, came back and said to him, you know, it's like the, you know, the story of in, in Esther where, where Haman is coming and his chaverim and his ozrim and yoatzim come and they make a plot, right? It's like he goes out of the court and then all the, his kibitzers are around and they tell him what to do. And then he goes back into the court and he makes a, a claim. So they say here, apparently it makes a difference that he's not because once his proceedings you know once he 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 didn't make a claim when he could have made a claim and he goes outside so tante agmare so they 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 taught him to make a claim and that's not his claim apparently umodu nardai and on the other hand the nardai admit they say to him that where he said it was my fathers who took it from your fathers then he's allowed to return and make another claim. And when he said something outside the court, but didn't make a, a legitimate claim, or he didn't make that claim, and then he went to into the court and he made a claim, that's okay. He's allowed to do that. He's allowed, that's not considered like or that's okay to be go back and claim. My time or why? Why? Because the person does not reveal their claim except in court. And we know this from every, you know, the press conference outside the, the courtroom has nothing to do with what's going to go on in the courtroom. My client is totally innocent. My client is, you know, and then you go inside and, and there's a technical argument. Well, of course, my client is totally innocent is for the press, right? It's, it's winning a different kind of a, a fight. I never did it, right? Okay, Amra Meimar. So, so that's the the question about Toyin v'Chozer Toyin. Now, all right, we'll, we'll just finish this off. Amra Meimar, Ana Narda Ana, Usfirli the Toyin v'Chozer Toyin. So, Meimar said, "I am from Narda. It's not all. It's the not all Nahardeans claim. Usfirli the Toyin v'Chozer Toyin. And I think that actually you're allowed to make a claim, and then you're allowed to go back and make a different claim, as opposed to the Nahardeans." the unelected Nahardayans who said you're not allowed to. And the halacha is that you're allowed to claim and go back and change your claim. And we should note that this is a very rare instance of the Gemara, of the Stam, telling us what the halacha here is. Now, the question that I said about, so this, we read this as Hadar, meaning that in this case, where one person, where the, 
two people st stood before the judge and said, both said, this land belonged to my ancestors. And then one brought witnesses that it was their ancestors. And the other one brought witnesses that he had been on the land for three years. So then the guy, then Hader Amalai, then the guy, when he saw that he wasn't going to win by saying that he had witnesses that he had been on the land for three years, he said, you know what? Then he came back and he, he changed his claim. And he said, you know what? It was really was your, your ancestors, but I bought it from you. Another way of reading it is that Hader Amalai is actually referring back to the first line. Each one says, this land belonged to my ancestors. Hader Amalai. And then one guy comes back and says, you know what? In davhutach, davhatachi uzavanta minach. It is, no, you know what? I'm going to change my claim. It wasn't, it was actually, it did actually belong to your ancestors and I bought it from you. So now what is that? What does that help us with? Well, first of all, it helps us that why all of a sudden are we, did we, are we talking about Ula and then Nahardei? Uh, where before we were talking about Rabbah and Abaye, if it's the same case, we would assume there'll be the same people all the way through. Here, we switched all of a sudden, we switched teams to Ula and the Anahardai, and then the um, and then Amemer at the end. Secondly, all the, you know, the Rif, Alfasi, you know, the uh, 11th century Tunisian and then Southern Spanish Rishon, who uh, wrote the Halachot, says after the first case, Vihilchita, right? He has a halachic split, and so does many, so does Maimonides, so does, uh, so there, in other words, that they treat the first piece as its own, as its own piece. Now, la halacha, it's not clear what difference is made, and it's also, it's talking about, the two, there are two, the, the other thing is that there are two different legal discussions. One is about the question of Malal Shaker. What is the power of that claim? Why would I lie? And the other is the 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 issue of toin bechozer betoin of, of of changing your claim inside court or outside court, and those two are not necessarily connected to each other. And the question is whether or not the question is why would why would one have to come up with a case where they those two are connected to each other? Unclear. So we leave this as possibility of of both. If y'all wanna vote on which reading you like better please write it in the comments in this week's podcast on the Apple podcast page. Okay, but now we move along. Zelmer Shlabotai, Zelmer Shlabotai. Hi, Aiti Sadi Davhateva Achlashne Chazakaba. Hi, Aiti Sadi Achlashne Chazakaba. Okay, so there are two, again, the same opening. This one said it's my ancestors, and this one said it's my ancestors. But here, one person brings witnesses that it belonged to their ancestors and that he was on the land for three years. And the other one just brought witnesses that he was on the land for three years. Because she was on the land for three years. We have to bring Shifra back into the picture. Amar of Nachman, Oki Achila Levahade Achila, Oki Ara Becheskat Avhata. So of Nachman, now we go, right? We had a, 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 an Abaya Rava case. And now we're going back to. Rav Nachman Rava case, which was the first of the My Bay Bahai Ara. So we're going back to that, to Rav Nachman, who was Rava's teacher. This is another Rav Nachman Rava case. Amar Rav Nachman, Oki Achila Levahadi Achila, Oki Ara Becheskat Avhata. So Rav Nachman says, we set up, uh, we put the, the eating next to the eating, meaning 
they both have they both have witnesses that they 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 ate. In other words, they sat on the land for three years. So those cancel each other out. But okay, and then we set up the we establish the land in the chazaka of the of the ancestors, right? In other words, like so, Ruvain makes the claim, my ancestors were on this land. Here are witnesses that my ancestors were on this land that they belonged to this land, and that I ate, that I that I've been here for three years. Shifra says, here are my witnesses that I've been here for three years. And so Rav Nachman says, we put the two witnesses together and Ruvain ends up winning because even though the, the Chazaka knocks each other out, but Ruvain has an extra set of witnesses who say that uh, the, the, the father, the ancestor, had the lamb. Rava says, Ha'edut So Rava says, this is testimony that's just uh, uh, contradictory, so therefore we can't count any testimony. Amarlei, Rav Nachman answers back, So Rav Nachman says, really? Just because the testimony contradicts each other in the eating, meaning in the years of Chazakah, does that mean that the testimony contradict, was contradicted in the, the, the ancestors? No, that te- part of the testimony is still okay. Okay, so here the case is, again, they're standing before a judge, but they are, as, as we've shown to point out, they're actually talking about a matter in which neither of them are sitting on the land, right? Because they say that, that when they say, they're talking about the same three years that they're bringing witnesses about, and that's the whole issue. Right, that's the whole issue. Okay, so where are we now? Rav Nachman says that that Ruvain wins because Ruvain has witnesses that his ancestors were on the land. So now the Stam says Lema Rav of Rav Nachman replicated Rav Huna Rav Chista Kamibalki. So Rav and Rav Nachman are actually what are they actually talking about? They're not just arguing about this piece. Now they're, they're, this argument is actually embedded in a larger argument, the argument of Rav Huna and Rav Chista. Didmar because it says as it says Shneki Te Edim. If there were two pairs of witnesses, who contradict each other, Am Ravuna says, Ravuna says, we take each pair of witnesses and we interrogate them alone. And Rav Chizda says, why do I have to do with these lying witnesses? It's obviously that one pair of these witnesses is lying. Now, most of you should understand this, not that we take each of these pair of witnesses alone in this case and, and interrogate them. But in another case, each pair of witnesses can come. This is what the Rambam decides the law in the Mishnah Torah. In another case, each pair of witnesses could come by themselves and they are not tainted by having been, by being called uh, lying witnesses because of the fact that they contradicted each other. Rav Chista says, you know what? One of them is a lying witness. One of them is lying. One of them, those pair of witnesses is lying. So just forget it. What do I need from these lying witnesses? So let's put this back and let's put our argument between Rav and Rav Nachman into this frame. Meaning Rav Nachman would hold like Rav Huna who says each one comes by itself. So therefore Rav Nachman said that you that the field goes to Reuven because he also has the added witnesses about his ancestors. And Rava is actually talking, is that Rava is actually 
within the theory of Rav Chista, because Rav Chista says, now, what do I need these lying witnesses for? And Rav says, no, if you have two sets of witnesses and both of them can't be right, right, because they contradict each other, so therefore, what do I need them for? Just throw them all out. Lema, so, aliba de Rav Chista kuliyama lo please. So you say, no, you know what? Actually, let's not go that. Let's say that according, everybody, nobody's arguing about Rav Chista. Everybody agrees with Rav Chista, who says, that you don't trust the witnesses. Rav Nachma Kipligi Alibad Rav Huna. When are we arguing? The argument is only in Rav Huna, meaning Rav Huna who said that they you can, each one goes by themselves. And the difference is that, so if you were talking about a case where two witness sets of witnesses come and they're contradicting each other, then you just dismiss them, like Rav Chista said. But, if you're talking about a case where the witnesses come and Rav Huna says you could take them each by themselves, but that's only about a different, a different subject, a different matter under consideration. Not like in our Gemara, where it's, bo- it's all about the same piece of land. Ruvain's witnesses said this land, that said that he sat on this land and that uh, his ancestors lived there before. Schiffer's witnesses said that he sat on the land. So Ruvain's witnesses that said that his ancestors were on the land before were testifying about the same piece of land. It's the same matter. So therefore, Rav says, Rav Huna doesn't hold in that case. In that case, even Rav Huna would say, Baha'i uh, Sadi Shakri Lamali. Okay. Hadar Aiti Sadi Dav Now, what happens if the guy comes back, if Shifra comes back and says, I have Witnesses that my ancestors, that this was my ancestors. I'm Rav Nachman, Anan Achtinai, Anan Maskinale, Ziluta de Beidina Lachaishinan. So Rav Nachman says, We took the land from, we set him, set him on the land, right? Achtinan, I, we put him down on the land. Anan Maskinale, we'll kick him off the land. So in other words, Shif, Ruvain, who now had the land because he had the extra witnesses, now get off. And we do not worry about the the honor of the Beit Din. We're not worried about the, that the people are going to make fun of Beit Din because Beit Din pivoted and and did a did a one eighty and decided that they were no longer that they, that it's not Ruvain's but it's nobody's. Now, what does that mean? That they that that they get kicked they or maskinale they take them off the land. So there, the Rishonim point out that what happens that that this ends up being like. Rav Nachman in a few dapim, in the famous case that will come into, that called Alam Gvar. That if you take it off, nobody's on the land. And once nobody's on the land, the only way you figure out who's on the land is whoever, like, whoever beats the other guy up, whoever's more powerful, will, will get, will get the land. Okay. This week's podcast is brought to you by Luchot Vishivay Luchot, Artistic Restoration. When it's time to get those broken potsherds out of the basement and put them back together just the way they were when they got here with the Judean exiles, you want the restoration experts of Luchot Vishivay Luchot on your side. And for this month only, listeners to this podcast will get a 20% discount on their first restoration. Just go to www.luchotvishivrayluchot.com slash dafshui. That's www.luchotvishivrayluchot, just the way it sounds. So I want to point out a number of things here. First of all, there's an interesting Yerushalmi. Yerushalmi says, and Yerushalmi is actually not on, on our mission, Yerushalmi is on, on Mishnah Gimel, 
כל חזקה שאין עימה טענה, אני חזקה that doesn't have a claim with it is not a חזקה, but צריך חזקה, and we need, one needs a claim with it. תמן תנינן, and we said another Mishnah, and now it quotes the Mishnah from Tzubot that we talked about before. מודי רבי יהושע באומר לחברו שדה זו, right, because the Rabbi Yeshua agrees in the case where somebody says to his friend, this field actually belonged to your father's, but I took it from him, that he is believed because he's the mouth that forbade is also the mouth that permits. Okay, kehada. So now this is a case. Like, this case is what? Ruvein ochel sadeh bechezkat shehishelo. Ruvein is sitting on a field in the assumption that he belong, that he owns it, right? So in other words, he has it for three years. Vehevi shimon edim shemait aviv mitocha. And shimon brought witnesses that his father died on that field, meaning that it actually belonged to his father. Mafkin la meruvein v'yavin l'shimon. So you take it away from Ruvain and you give it to Shimon. Ela halach Ruvain v'hevi edim shelo meitaviv mitocha. Ruvain was not going to be, was not, was not going to be undone or outdone. And he went and brought witnesses that Shimon's father had not died on that field. I'm Rav Nachman bar Yaakov. So Rav Nachman, this our same Rav Nachman, says, Ana afikte me Ruvain, Ana machzarnale. We took it away from Ruvain, and therefore we will also return it to Ruvain. Rav Amar, but Rav, not Rava, but Rav, says, Kshenatata, who's a generation before, Kshenatata al pibeidinatata, mikan veila chamotim chaviralavaraya. So Rav says, No, when you decided to take the field from Ruvain and give it to Shimon, you gave it to him according to the law, according to the decision of Beitin. So now it's his, and he has to bring more proof to kick him off of the field. All right, Lamas said, what, what, what difference does that make? Since if you come to the field and you say, here, my father did die, so then we have to decide what, which set of testimony is more believable, that his father actually was on the field or it belonged to him, but the person who's on the field has an assumption of chazakah that the other one is is the one who extracts, and the one who extracts from his fellow, the weight of proof is on their shoulders. All right. Now, when we look at our case, at our sugya, so what we see is something interesting. The, when we look, there's so there's another whole piece here, which we'll get to in a minute. But the riff cuts out the the added the lema Rava Rav Nachman, right? The piece in the middle in which Rava and Rav Nachman are actually engaged in a machloket of Rav Huna Rav Chista, and that seems to be and and not only the the riff in the in the eleventh century but also the Meiri in the thirteenth century, and it seems that the Yad Rama a little earlier also seems to say the same thing. The riff the Meiri in the fourteenth century. Right, because if you go, if you read this straight, as, if you read this straight as a rubber of Nachman um, interchange, so you go from Rav Nachman says, you you compare the two eatings, and then you're left over with an extra ancestor on Ruvain's side, and so Ruvain wins. Rava says, why do you do anything? Both of them are it's it's contradicted witnesses. Just kick them all out. Rav Nachman says, no, it's only contradicted about the Chazakah, but it's not contradicted about the ancestor. Then you come to the Hadar Aiti Sadi Davati. So what happens if you bring back a proof that his father, that it was his father's, and that is exactly parallel to what we see 
in the Yerushalmi where he says, Right, Reuben went and brought witnesses. So he says that he brought witnesses that it was his father's. And Rav Nachman says the same thing. He says, Yushami. So you have one straight piece there. And it seems at a certain point, the Stam wanted to connect this to the case of the two Kite Edim, um, which is a case, uh, uh, and we'll see, uh, 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 which seems to be the case that, that's, that's bothering the Stam, um, because we have another case like that. As opposed to it being just a property issue, it is becomes an issue in testimony, and we can sort of reconstruct the original thing without prior to the Stam putting this in. It is, of course, supposition, because though we have um, the riff, who seems, I mean, so this is an interesting thing about this, was just a little excursus on the riff, 30-second PSA on the riff, that seems to be the riff's goal in the halachot is just to create a jurisprudential manual out of the Talmud, which is a hard thing to do. It doesn't actually come to fruition until the Rambam and the Mishnah Torah. But what the Rift does is usually gets rid of stuff that's that's um, ancillary to the halachic discussion. What's interesting, though, is what the Rift decides to get out, because this discussion in the middle is not necessarily ancillary. It's just another halachic discussion, which is connected to this halachic discussion. So it seems that, in most cases, the Rift sees the Gemara as not being of a piece, as the Tosafists in, in northern France do in, in the 12th century, 13th century. The Rif sees the Gemara as being kind of a repository for Tanaitic and Amoraic statements and then commentary by the Stam. And the Stam, it seems, this is kind of colloquially, the Rif sees the Stam as just another opinion. Right? So this whole thing in the middle, the whole, every time you see Lema or Bamaikomi Palgi, is the Stam reframing what the Gemara says, sometimes taking it ma- massively away from Pshat? And oftentimes you see that the Rambam ignores that, and the Rif ignores that. Sometimes the Rif turns around the pieces in the Gemara to make a, di- a different Gemara out of it. Because it seems that in the Rif's mind, in the mind of Al-Fasi and, and, and the Rambam, and perhaps here we also see that the Me'iri extracts this piece in the middle and comments on it, after he comments on the rubber of Nachman back and forth, that the Bavli wasn't uh, definitively as it is, Gilu, you know, they did not yet have a Vilna printing that you have to read it word for word. That happened perhaps around the same time, as a little earlier than the Miri, but that happened in, in, in northern France when the Tosafists took a look at the, at the Bavli as a whole and wanted to continue the project of making distinctions in Chilukim, and therefore use the Bavli as a whole, and we're not interested on the whole, though not, it's not always that way, we're not interested on the whole in dissecting the the Bavli and taking out this piece or looking at this piece as being ancillary to other pieces. So the Bavli in North Africa and Rabbeinu Hananel and the Rif, and then in Spain and a little bit in Provence is not, does not gel as quickly as it does in northern France, though, there is an exception to that because the Rashba, Roshlom ben Adrat, who was in northern Spain, in Barcelona, was already was, for all intents and purposes, a Tosafist in his methodology. Okay, so that's our PSA on Alfasi. Now we continue here. 
the Gemara goes along, goes on. Meitiv Rava, Itema Rav Zera. So either Rava or Rav Zera say, Shnaim Shomrim Met, Shnaim Omrim Lomet. This is a whole, this, now we're moving off to a whole other thing. Two people said he's dead, and two people said he's not dead. In other words, these we're talking about, this is a sigil that both appears in Yivamot and in Ketubot, that when two witnesses come and say to a woman, about a woman that her husband is dead, and then two other witnesses come and say that he's not dead, Shnaim Omrim Nitkarsha, when two people come and say that she was divorced, and two people come and say, no, she wasn't divorced. So Rava, or Abzeras, says, behold, she should not marry in this case, and if she married, she should go out. In other words, that she's not allowed to marry. And so the, the, the Kedushin is not tofes. The Kedushin is not a good Kedushin. She has to leave that marriage. Rabinachem, the son of Rabiosi, just says, she should go out, right? She should leave the marriage. I'm a Menachem Barabiosi. Eimatayni Omer Teitzei. Bizman Shabbat Oedim Ba'acharkach Nisei. So Menachem Barabiosi says, when do I say she must leave the marriage? At a time when the Edim, when the witnesses came, and then she got married. Aval Nisei Tvacharkach Ba'oedim Arezu Lo Teitzei. But if she got married and then the witnesses came, so then she doesn't have to. Then she doesn't have to leave. Right, if she got married and then witnesses came, so when she got married, she was fine. Right? She thought that her husband was dead, or she thought, and then the other witnesses came. In other words, she kept, she got married after the first set of witnesses came and said her husband is dead, or she got married after the first set of witnesses came and reaffirmed that she affirmed that she had been divorced. So at that point, she's okay to get married. So then, and then the second witnesses come, she we don't punish her for that, according to Reb Nachman Riosi. So now this is going, so Rav Nachman says, I thought to take that I was going to Paskin Halahad, I was going to do a an action, meaning I was going to remove Ruvain from the field. Now that you have challenged me on this, and Rav Hamnuna from Syria, from Syria also challenged me on this, apparently. We don't have the back and forth, but that's the assumption and the implication. I am not going to do, I am not going to, to, to do what I said I'm doing. I'm not going to take Ruvain off the field, right? So why is that? Because Rav Nachman apparently is, is convinced here by Menachem Baribiosi, who says that once something has been established... We don't undo it, right? So apparently, Rav Nachman is convinced by Rav Nachman Bariosi, who says that once she gets married, if the if the witnesses then come, we don't tell her she has to leave the marriage. So the same way, once we gave the field to Ruvain, we don't go back and take the field away from Ruvain. It could be because of what Rava says, it was done appropriately. Okay. But then, nafak avaruvda. So this becomes interesting, right? He says, Runachman, but then went out and he actually did the opposite. Runachman went out and he actually kicked Ruben off the field. Man dechazar sabar So somebody who saw him do that would have thought that it's actually made a mistake. Velohi. Elamishum detalya ba'ashle ravrave. He didn't, it's not that he made a mistake. But he just because he was dependent on a former, on a greater authority. And that's where we're going to stop.
I know everybody's on the edge of their seat, but the greater authority comes in Mishnah with Rabbi Huda, and that takes us to the bottom of the next Dafs, the next Amud. So we're going to stop here today at this moment of wondering what the greater authority is. And there you go. Thank you so much for being here with me today on this journey. I want to thank the Dafshui team, my Chavruta Charlotte van Robert, my producer Eli Unger Sargon, and the graphics designer Shachar Cohen Hodos, who designed that new beautiful logo for Dafshui. I am Aryeh Cohen. You can follow me at Irmiklat, I R M I K L A T. I hope you had you enjoyed yourself. If you did, please go to the podcast page on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Give me a rating. Other people will be able to find the podcast easier. Leave a comment if you have something to say. And uh, I hope to see you back next week. Bring your friends so that the sounds of Torah resound across this country. Stay healthy. <laughs>